There's no doubt you've watched Michigan on television at some point this year, but to really know Penn State's next opponent, each week I bring in an expert from the opposing team to give you the deep dive into their roster. This time, it's Clayton Safey from the Wolverine, part of the On3 network, one of our, our new co-workers here at On3. So Clayton, welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. Super excited to have you here. Excited to be here. This is a big game, so excited to talk about it. And yeah, on three, man, uh, things have been going super smooth for us, and uh, I imagine it's the same for you guys. We're just blessed to be a part of this thing. I'm I'm so so overjoyed to be a part of on three. I can't even begin to tell you. And I'm not. This is not a sales pitch to anybody. I'm going to do the sales pitch later. But this is genuine. Like I am so happy about being at on three yes. and having this opportunity so this is super cool and we have this awesome network of people to talk to other smart people that know football and i love that so we're going to do that today here on the bwi daily edition getting into michigan and normally clayton i always start with a quarterback because doesn't it always except for with michigan yes. it, i mean it, right it there the, he you know we'll get to Cade mcnamara but it really for me watching this offense all starts up front is that fair to say with that offensive line yeah I would say so and in coming into the season they talked a lot about how they wanted the identity of the offense to be you know what the offensive line is going to be and they said what they wanted the offensive line to be would be super physical um you know being able to play athletically and some of these guys man we just hadn't seen it and th there had been injuries in the last couple of years uh, specifically in 2020, and then they have just completely exceeded expectations with the new offensive line coach and Sharon Moore, who was moved over from the tight ends, got the co-offensive coordinator tag. Uh, we knew he was a really good coach, a really good recruiter, a guy that, that you know connects well with his players, but man, has he uh, done a great job with this group. Um, we were talking a little you know, off air about how you wanted to get into Harbaugh and you know a little bit of the changes with this offense. Man, you're seeing it up front, more gap blocking schemes as opposed to zone, uh, which is Harbaugh's roots, right? At yep. Stanford, yep. with the 49ers. Are and, you reading and all my that. Are you reading my question sheet? Because that was something I wanted <laughs> to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that. So uh yeah. when when it comes to when it comes to the identity of this offense and kind of the the percentages of what's Harbaugh, what's former Penn State coach Josh Gaddis, what is, uh, you know, maybe other in that category. How would you break down what the offense is as a whole in this iteration? Because to me, as you just talked about, it seems like it's changed from last year, but it seems like it's changed from year to year to year with this group of, of coaches. Yeah, it's interesting. And I was listening on James Franklin's, uh, you know, press conference on Tuesday, and he was asked that question, you know, how have you seen the Michigan offense evolve under Josh Gaddis? Is it the same as, you know, what you expect them to run coming out of working for you at Vanderbilt and Penn State, which he did? And he said, yeah, you know, it seemed like it was that the first year, maybe two. Uh, we're in year three now of Josh Gaddis here in Ann Arbor. And he said, now it, it looks like a little more, you know, Jim Harbaugh, Stanford principles, which we just talked about and, you know, we can get into. Um, so, yeah, it, it has evolved. And I think it started this offseason back in January when there was a lot that was up in the air. I mean, Jim Harbaugh needed to sign a contract extension because he just had one year remaining on his deal. It's, it's suicide. You can't do that uh, in college football and recruit and all that. So it was kind of this time to evaluate the entire program. He replaced six of his assistant coaches, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, but was looking for more help for Josh Gaddis on the offensive side uh, because the offense 
you know, frankly, took a step back in the two years under him when it was really supposed to kind of go to the next level and, you know, implement some more spread principles. And uh, he's done some good, but I think there were some concern spots. And one of those was the run game where, you know, they were running so well in 2018. And then Gaddis came in more zone running uh, and, you know, try to get some quick game passes and things like that. But I think Harbaugh wasn't going to leave anything to chance. What he knows best is some of those gap principles where we're going to have a few guys pulling or we're going to have, you know, we're going to trap you here. They're still running some wide zone and things like that. Yeah. You know, you saw that with a 62 yard run last week with Hassan Haskins. But uh, I'd say that the biggest difference is that there's more input for Josh Gaddis now. Jim Harbaugh has gotten a little more personally involved in the offense. Mike Hart, the running backs coach, uh, who was the assistant head coach at Indiana and is a rising star, former Michigan running back, mm-hmm. all-time leading rusher for the program, has some input there. And then Sharon Moore, the guy I talked about, to kind of sync that up with the offensive line. Now he's the co-offensive coordinator to sync up what his offensive line does well with you know what they want to do offensively and kind of bring that to the overall philosophy i think has been pretty big so there's it's kind of all hands on deck and man has it been impressive the way that that they've improved the run game this year and um you know the pass game it has come along and it you know everyone wants to talk about the running but really they've been able to throw in some of these games as well and uh you know because the first couple games of the year they were right down there at the bottom in pass attempts with yeah. army navy air force so People were frustrated, even though they were two and zero. They ran, I think, fifty sometimes against Washington, and uh, and all that. But you stop, know, stop, done, stop, yeah. stop, stop! You're 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 giving Penn State fans so much jealousy right now. <laughs> After the season <laughs> Penn State has had this True. year, running fifty-two times, what you described is a spread offense with an old-school power offensive line which is everything Penn State fans have been begging for for the last eight years with James Franklin it is hilarious I when I when I put on the film looking at it it looks it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen where you you've got you've got every the the tackles have their hand in a three-point stance everyone is in a traditional front and you're just in shotgun the whole time uh but it seems like it's been effective so far this season uh, one of the things that James Franklin mentioned is they've gone to a lot of six-man fronts. How effective has that been when they put that uh, six offensive lineman on the field or the the converted offensive lineman who's playing tight end? I, I don't know his name off the top of uh, my head, but uh, how have those sets worked for Michigan? Because it has some, been something that's been uh, effective against Penn State's defense. Yeah, you might think that, that he's talking about Joel Honigford, who played tackle for the first three, four years of his career. Jim Harbaugh walked into the off or yeah, the offensive line meeting room and said, Honigford, tight end? And he said, Yeah, he got his stuff and in, in uh you know went to the tight end room <laughs> and lost like sixty pounds or something like that. And he's been there ever since. No, James Franklin's not talking about that. Honigford's out there, but okay. so is another offensive lineman, and they've been doing that the last few weeks. Trent A. Jones, a guy who's in the two deep at, you know, right and left tackle, you know, mostly right tackle, uh, has been coming in giving them that, you know, bigger package. They've used a couple guys in that spot this season. It's been effective, especially in the last couple weeks. But, you know, they've been a little bit spotty when it comes to short yardage. Um, One thing that I think has kind of frustrated me watching the offense is in those short yardage situations, they do bring in those heavy packages, and you bring everyone to the middle of the field, and if one guy misses a block, you know, then then that's the 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 end end of it. it. Sometimes 
you know, Michigan had this against Michigan State when slot receiver A.J. Henning missed a block and he was bunched in tight. And it was like, why don't you just split him out a little bit more and take the defender out of the play that way? They would think it was on a fourth down or third down and one. So um, it's been here and there. You know, it hasn't been great in short yardage. But, you know, some teams, especially earlier on in the season, they were able to just kind of maul them with bringing all these guys in. I mean, you'll see three tight ends in there. Um so it's it's typical Jim Harbaugh fashion in that way. I, I I had to resist getting my Zippo out because you were preaching to me on that of what I this is something that I yeah. and to get totally off topic here, something that has been a conversation in the NFL and in college football for about five or six years is look how small defenses have become. Defensive linemen are smaller, linebackers are smaller. All you have to do is get this big physical offensive line and and then you can just run over people. It's super simple. And remember everything's like is cyclical in in football. And yes. I just, when you put on the film and everything you just said is true, one guy misses and you've got everyone in there. Everyone. Right. One guy misses a block, which when you have nine guys on there, that's likely to happen. The play is over. And by the way, teams are doing this. Michigan yeah. is now a, a part of the Minnesota crew. Uh, Illinois now doing this, as Penn State is painfully aware of. And... um Another team that is escaping right now are going to the, these big six offensive lineman sets. And that's how Minnesota loses to Illinois. And it's the thing that what if Penn State has to find a way to adjust to it. But when they do, I think that this is an easily countered thing. Now, that being said, they have yet to really uh, they have yet to actually counter that. So it might be something that happens in this game that it's effective. The running backs really are the stars of this team, right? As far as. The offensive line has had a much better production, but those guys are also special and making up for a lot of plays that are mistakes. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't have the exact numbers. I haven't looked this week, but they're up there when it comes to yards after contact. So it's it's not all the offensive line. I give them a lot of credit because, um, you know, they, the offensive line struggled last year. They've gotten so much better and they are playing at a high level. But man, I mean, this running back duo Michigan has, and Hassan Haskins, who's a bigger back, about 6'1", 225, and then Blake Corum, who's shorter, a little bit stockier, a little bit Mike Hart-esque uh, when it comes to stature, but quicker, man, and faster. Um, you kind of have that one-two punch. They call him Thunder and Lightning, uh, which is what they nickname themselves. Um, and, you know, they feed off of each other. It works. Hassan Haskins is in there. You know, he's H2 is his nickname. It's third and H2 when he's in there and, and you know, he's able to get that extra yard. Jim Harbaugh, nothing he loves more than a big back that can get the extra yard. He talks about it. You know, when it's blocked for two, he can get four. When it's blocked for five, he can get 11, things like that. He's that guy. Blake Corum is a guy who wants to make you miss. Um, he can lower his shoulder. He's gotten better at that, but uh, he loves to get out in space, make that move on you, get around the edge and all that, and Michigan running him on the edge. The problem is is that he looked like he hurt his ankle last week, only played a few snaps. Um, so the, the load was on Hassan Haskins, and uh, his Blake Corum's status coming into this game is massive for Michigan. We're not going to know a ton. Uh, feels like a sprained ankle. You know, that's what it looked like to me. He was in the tent, was able to move around a little bit when he got out of the tent, but then ended up in a boot by the end of a game, by the end of the game in street clothes. So uh, he's one to watch. This is a banged up uh, Michigan offense. Uh, I'm sure we can talk about some other names as well, but the running backs have been outstanding. I mean, each of them look like they're probably going to get a thousand yards this year. Mm -hmm. um, I think Corum is, or Haskins might be over 800 now. 
Corum is nearing 800. So uh, just ridiculous with some of these numbers. And, uh, you know, so it's been really impressive. Blake Corum, 778, uh, seventh in the Big Ten in rushing. And Hassan Haskins is uh, fourth with 829 yards. They, uh, If it weren't for Wisconsin, they'd be the only team that has two rushers in the top 10. Uh, But, you know, much higher ranked than both of Malusi and uh, and Braylon Allen over at Wisconsin and talented guys. What is the what is their ability to break big runs, especially Haskins, the bigger guy? How much uh, explosiveness does he have in that rushing attack? He has some. He's faster than maybe you think. He he ripped off a sixty-two yarder last week, and then I, I guess he came back to the sideline. And uh, per one of our contributors, Doug Karsh, who's also the Michigan radio sideline man, he was joking with his. Uh, teammates that he can run a 4-4. I don't know if that's true, but uh, you know his, his vision has gotten a lot better. Uh, so that's turned in some of his six, seven-yard runs into you know 15-yard runs. He had a huge 50-yard run against Nebraska in which he uh, hurdled the defender and then landed on his feet in stride and ran another 20 yards. And this was to come down uh, and kick the game tying field goal. Uh, in in an eventual thrilling win in that game late in the fourth quarter. So he's kind of clutch with when he'll rip one off. More later in the game almost when it's like, man, the, you know, the defense have been taking a beating trying to uh, tackle him all game. He could rip one off. Corum is more of the big play guy. You'll see him on the edge if he does play. Um, and he's just so quick. He's, he's gotten more patient this season uh, and really lets things develop. So uh, they can rip him off, but this is more of an offense – I'll say this, you know, they've had some big runs, but in some of these games when they are playing a tough defense like a Wisconsin, uh, you know, like they're going to play with Penn State this weekend, they've done a good job of just staying steady and like staying in front of the sticks. I mean, they've only had a handful of negative rushes this year. So the most impressive part is just their ability to kind of get themselves in second and third and manageable. We're talking uh, Michigan and taking a deep dive into their offense right now. We'll get to their defense in just a little bit with Clayton Safey of the Wolverine. The Wolverine and, of course, Blue White Illustrated have a new home. From the founder of Rivals and 247 Sports, Shannon Terry, comes the next generation of high school and college sports fan experience. It's called On3. Great news is that you've been following Blue White Illustrated where we've been previously at Rivals. You can get the same great content, and I'll say, plus more. We did way more this year than we've ever done at Blue White Illustrated, and it's going to continue to happen. We're going to continue to add more, and you can get it for just $1 for the new sign-up price. Come on over to On3 for just $1, 12 months for the first year. Link is in the description of all of our videos. You can check out uh, there and, of course, subscribe to our Blue White Illustrated YouTube page so you don't miss any of our videos. Clayton, uh, the passing attack, you've mentioned a couple of times that while the the star of the show is the running game, Cade McNamara seems to me like a very perfect fit for what Jim Harbaugh wants from his quarterbacks. Doesn't make mistakes, doesn't take a, a ton of sacks, and makes some really good throws when he has to. Is that a fair assessment of his skills and how he fits into the offense? I think you nailed it. And yeah, Jim Harbaugh loves this type of guy. Uh, I think I think it was him that said it in the summer. It might have been Matt Weiss, the quarterback's coach. But he said, what's what's wrong with being Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill? I know Ryan Tannehill's made a few more mistakes this year. But I mean, his season last season was uh, you know unbelievable. And that's kind of Cade McNamara right now. At the same time, 
you know, I don't want to pay him, you know, you know, put him in a box of being a game manager because he made some big time throws against Michigan State. He made some big time throws against Nebraska and he made some big time throws against Wisconsin in three of Michigan's biggest games this season. So he's not just that. But man, you have to start there when you talk about him. He's the guy who's shoving guys in the right direction. Sometimes they'll have, you know, a tight end. They have all these tight ends on the field. Sometimes, you know, it's like, where do I line up? He's telling guys where to go. He's sliding the protection. He's checking at the line. Um, things that you know fans don't necessarily notice, and Jim Harbaugh's talked about that when he's gotten a, when Cade McNamara has gotten a little bit of heat this season. It's no, it's some of the things that that fans don't always see. And then during the play, uh, he gets through his reads pretty quickly. Um, he makes the right decision. He doesn't love to throw in tight windows. Yeah. Uh, you'll see it at times, and he can do that, but. He's more of a guy that, you know, if someone's kind of blanketed, he's just going to go to the next read. You'll see some check downs, but um, he plays it safe. He throws the ball away. He keeps you in manageable situations. He doesn't take sacks. Michigan's only been sacked six times this year. I think four of them have been on Cade McNamara. And, you know, there's been some other opportunities, but he's just done a great job of getting the ball out quickly. So it starts there. But, man, he showed a lot of people a lot of things in that Michigan State game. Uh, I think he was 28 for 44. He had 300 and uh, 383 yards against the Spartans and a few touchdowns. Uh, he was big there and made some huge throws under pressure. Uh, I think he was eight for 11 when he was under pressure in that game. So he's just really, really good. And and then you can also blitz him. Some his numbers are better against the blitz because it's like okay, well you're taking away a yeah. guy out of coverage. Uh, and he's such a good like processor. He can find uh, of it. what's going on exactly. So yeah. he knows exactly what's hot. You know where to you know to attack where the blitzer came from and things like that. Just those little things. Some fans have been clamoring for JJ McCarthy, the big time recruit freshman who's going to be very good here, in my opinion. Um, but Cade McNamara silenced the doubters a little bit in the last couple of weeks with just you know his ability to really lead Michigan on scoring drives. They got to convert more in the red zone. Penn State's a great red zone defense. Michigan, 89th in the country in touchdown percentage down there. They got a great kicker, but they don't want to always have to use him so much. Right. Um, but Cade McNamara has, uh, has done a really good job this season. Solid, I, I think, is the best way to describe him. He's a little banged up. He's playing through injury right now. Looked like a ribs or kind of chest shot that he took against Michigan State that had him in the medical tent the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, in and out. He missed a drive against Indiana, but came back in. He's a tough kid. Um, but yeah, he, he's, uh, he's done a really good job for what Michigan wanted to be this year and what they needed to do with a coaching staff under a lot of pressure, an offense that made a lot of adjustments. Uh, he's been the kind of that steadying force. And this is, this is kind of a, a, you've answered some of this already, but from what I've seen, Michigan, their passing attack in general is not hyper aggressive. I, I think that's, that's painfully obvious given that you've got three tight ends in the field, some points, but in, yeah. in the situations where they have to throw the ball, have they been explosive enough to complement the defense that is very good and the rushing game that's very good? I know that it, it's it's more of a complementary role. This kind of leans into the receiver conversation of who has stepped up in the absence of Ronnie Bell. I know I know it's been all season long they haven't had him, but how much do they miss him and who stepped up into that role to provide that explosiveness in the passing game? They've missed him a ton. I mean, he has led the team in receiving as a sophomore, as a junior. And then we saw him for a quarter and a half against Western Michigan in that opener, and he looked like a completely different player. Some, some of the stuff we were hearing behind the scenes coming into the year was that he did take the next step into that 
next level, upper echelon, Big yeah. Ten in the country type of receiver. So it sucked to see him go down. Um, Michigan has missed him. I, you know, I've been talking about it all season. The receivers, you just don't see a ton of separation with these guys. Yeah. Uh, then a couple of weeks ago uh, against Michigan State in his hometown, freshman Andrew Anthony, who admitted he was not ready earlier on in the season. He didn't know what a cover, what coverages were. He didn't know. Uh, he said he was a terrible uh, run blocker and things like that. Just had his breakout game, 155 yards, two touchdowns, 93-yard touchdown, the second longest in Michigan history. Uh, and he, and I'm sitting up there in the box with, with our guys, Chris Ballas, John Borton, and we're like, man, this is the best receiver on the team. Then he goes down to look like a concussion or, or something last week. So he's another guy that's banged up. But he's one to watch. I think he might be able to play this weekend. Um, and and he is, uh, you know, six foot one, quick, gets separation, great ball skills. You saw him go up and moss a guy against Michigan State yep. for his second touchdown. Yep. Um, so he's a guy to watch. Eric All, he did not play last week. He got banged up late in that Michigan State game. I feel like I'm referencing that game a ton. But, it was a uh, big game. <laughs> it, it was. And, and yeah. a lot happened. Um, yep. He came out of that game late. Look like to me, based on warmups and the way he was moving around, dressed during the Indiana game, he could have played, but he's got involved in the past game a ton over the last few weeks. And I think that's big. If you're going to play tight ends, and they're not always in, in uh, you know, 13 personnel. It's a lot of 11, uh, a lot of 12. Um, you know, but if you're going to do that, then they got to be a threat as well in the past game. And I think yeah. Michigan has recognized that. He had 10 catches, again, against Michigan State because that was the last game he played in. Um, and he's just been been fantastic in the run game as well at times. So um, those are two of the bigger names to know. Cornelius Johnson leads this team in receiving with 400-something yards. Not a ton. Not Jahan Dotson numbers for your leading receiver. But, uh, you know, I think he's struggled to get separation at times. But – you know, he, he's steady and, you know, he, he'll run good routes uh, and does get open when uh, when you kind of need him to. He had a big game, 108 yards against Indiana. So there's some targets out there. Yeah. In terms of explosiveness, I mean, they've been good enough with, with the way they've been able to move the ball with the run and just play overall good team offense. Um, you know, I think it's been good enough. And and I think it's it's a little bit too much talked about that. The Cade McNamara can't make the big throws downfield because we've seen him on some big pinpoint throws, yeah. um, you know, on deep balls and things like that as well. So it, it's nothing to like, you know, if Penn State loads the box, like Michigan can absolutely burn him. And I know Penn State has great secondary players, but, um, you know, it's not like, you know, this is something where if you load eight guys in there, then Michigan just can't complete anything downfield. Talking with Clayton Safey about the Michigan offense and defense, and, and I apologize, I've lost track of time because I've had it. such a good time talking to you. Hope you don't mind a couple more minutes because no. we do have to talk about the uh, the Michigan defense, which, uh, you know, we'll get to the, the guys up front in just a minute, but you had a great article about Mike McDonald, the new defensive coordinator. Everyone remembers Don Brown from Penn State fans, Big Ten fans, everyone remembers Don Brown for some of the highs that that defense had and then some of the very lows that that defense had. What has Mike McDonald done now? And I believe this is his second year on the staff. Uh, this is his first year first on year. the staff. Yep. What has he done to change, especially that back seven in coverage for, for Michigan? Yeah, well, he's, first of all, I mean, he's just not, lining up everybody in the same spot every play and manning them up uh you know they disguise well <laughs> yeah exactly they disguise well you see safeties over the top a little bit more yep. man i mean a lot of you know a lot of what penn state has done to michigan over the last few years is like 
because of you know the things Michigan's not doing now. Like they're not gonna have no safety over the top. Yep. And allow um God, what's who's the kid from Detroit that burned Michigan and KJ Hamler. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not gonna How keep you're not gonna keep a slot safety on KJ Hamler and let him go fifty three on a, on one play. There's two safeties exactly. there. Yeah. Exactly. So you're gonna see that. Uh Penn State you know, notorious for against Michigan, you know, Don Brown's defense, motioning the running back out, taking a guy with him and, you know, trying to get one-on-one like on a wheel route. You saw Saquon Barkley have a huge, huge game in 2017 against Michigan. Uh, things like that, you're going to see a lot of differences. So if you're a Penn State fan that hasn't seen a lot of Michigan's defense, uh, you know, it has changed a ton. I mentioned disguising. I mean, the lineup in one thing and then, you know, right at the snap, you can kind of notice the guy, oh, he's not manned up. You know, he's in, you know, quarters or or whatever. They play um, big boy defense now is what I saw right. in the film. They they do more the, mature things than just playing one coverage all the time. Right. And, you know, the, fair or not, or I mean, whatever it is, the, the truth is there were people inside that building that were frustrated, uh, people on the defensive side of the ball that were frustrated with the lack of nuance to that Michigan defense over the last couple of years, they got burned against teams that said, we, we know exactly what they're going to do. If we motion one guy, we know what they're in uh, and things like that. So Michigan has basically combated that with an NFL uh, defensive mind and Mike McDonald, who I think is a, a rising star in this business, 33 years old um, and is just, you know, super smart, knows exactly what he's doing. Um, we saw, you know, some struggles. I, I still think once he gets some more guys in here, they're going to be a lot better. Michigan State ran five touchdowns on him. Kenneth Walker is a great back, but, I mean, that shouldn't have happened. So you'll still yeah. see some lapses. But this is a much, much improved defense. They were, you know, what, 90th in the country in total defense last year. They're in the top 20 now. Um so they've done a really good job. But yeah, stylistically, it's a lot different. More zone coverage, too. Uh, with the Kenneth Walker thing from the front, it seems like they're built to stop the run. So how disappointing was that for the Michigan defense that it, really they did a good job on him most of the day. But those two explosive runs kind of put Michigan in a situation where that lost them the game. You know, the, the passing attack and, and they were getting pressure on Peyton Thorne. But really, those explosive runs at poor times uh, really were what change the game for that defense so is that fair to say that they're really built to stop the run and are there are there any weaknesses in that front seven that Penn State might be able to exploit either through the run or the pass yeah I mean I would say as an overall mentality we were actually talking to a couple players Tuesday night after practice in press conferences you know they said that their number one mentality is to stop the run and make sure teams can't run on them like you're gonna have to beat us another way um but at the same time, when it when it comes to like personnel in the that way that won't be he, a problem this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but when it comes to like personnel and the way they kind of actually build it schematically, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just like built to stop the run. But okay. um, but at the same time, I mean, they want to stop the run. You have uh, you know bigger defensive tackles in there because it's more of a you know two down linemen, two edge guys yeah. uh, is what we've really seen in in nickel coverage or nickel on the back end with you know two traditional inside linebackers so um but yeah they've really done a good job at stopping the run you mentioned it I mean um it's a great point I said coming into that Michigan State game that the big plays are what could hurt Michigan that you know they'll probably be able to bottle up Michigan State's run game most of the game but if you let one or two out and those end up in touchdowns and it doesn't really matter right yeah and that's exactly what happened so um they have shored that up and I know you were reading my article, uh, you know, earlier today, Wednesday morning, 
just about some things Michigan did, which I believe to be reactionary to that Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daxton Hill, who's just a, a superstar, could be a first-round pick uh, at defensive back You know, next spring. He was playing nickel all season long. They moved him back to safety, both strong safety and free safety uh, last week. He's able to kind of stay more in the middle of the field because we saw some safeties take some bad angles yeah. since Michigan State's run game. We also saw Michigan, Mike McDonald, maybe he overthought it a little bit at times where they like to sub even when the other team doesn't sub. And we saw guys running on late. We saw two substitution penalties in that game against MSU. And they've kind of stopped that with Dax Hill is at safety. You bring in more of a hybrid guy who can move into the box and play the nickel. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to, you know, based on down and distance situation, things like that, always sub. Um, So they're making some adjustments there, but... Yeah, I'd say it's a it's pretty much a bend don't break type of defense. I know that didn't work in their in their one loss, um, but it's kind of keep things in front of you. You know, they can get two yards on the ground. Like Michigan doesn't have a ton of tackles for loss this year, but mm-hmm. they have a lot of like two yard stops and uh, you know things like that. So it, it's been kind of that defense to keep everything in front. The opposite of Don Brown, which I described as you know don't bend break it was like whatever we do like they're gonna get nothing unless they get everything right uh, so it's kind of opposite philosophies yeah yeah especially when you got Jim Harbaugh's offense on the other side that's like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna take 15 plays and we're gonna dominate your emotions on the way down the field that's and then what he they wants get to do. Yeah. 75 yards on one play and it's like well I uh, you might be able to do that three times and then your emotions don't matter uh I don't really have a question about uh David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson just like how good good are they they're incredible and we'll start with Aiden Hutchinson because you have to yeah um I was kind of wait and see mode this summer he's coming off an injury playing a new position moving a little bit more outside and standing up on the edge okay you know what's that going to look like he was he was so good and so solid you know with as kind of a down defensive end uh this is the perfect uh, fit for him in this scheme. So I'll never doubt Mike McDonald when it comes to something like that again until until I have reason to. Um, but, you know, he's Aiden playing, Hutchinson. He's playing yeah. the Adafe Owe role at, at the Baltimore Ravens. If there's a comparison, that's his yeah. role is that the two down linemen in the middle clogging up the runs and then these guys on the outside, they just go after the quarterback. And that seems to me what I watch. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. And Aiden Hutchinson's great against the run uh, as well. Like you'll see him make some plays where it's not even his fit. You know, he has contain. He contains so well, the guy goes inside. and But then he's the guy crashing down with one arm and making the tackle. Uh, things like that. That David Ojabo is not necessarily doing in the run game. He's getting better at it. But man, this kid, I've been raving about him for the last five, six weeks because he has four forced fumbles which ties a Michigan single-season record, still a few games to go, had one overturned at Michigan State. It was a controversial call, as maybe you know people have heard about, that ended up in a touchdown. Um, long arms. He's only been playing football since 2017. Um, incredible. Comes from yeah. Scotland. He, you know, even playing over there, it's not playing even high school football over here, right? So it's a little yeah. different. He comes over here and – you know, this is really the first year he's gotten a lot of playing time, played a little bit last season, shortened year anyway. And, you know, he's getting better by the game, like every single game, every game rep he has. And, you know, some guys you complain, man, why is that guy still out there? They're blowing out Indiana. When Ojabo was in there, I was like, what the hell? I mean, just get him reps. He's just getting better, like almost by the rep at this point. Uh, so he's been incredible on the other side as well. Um, 
you know, he's got more sacks than Aiden Hutchinson. He's got yep. eight on the season. Hutchinson was six and a half. So, um, man, I mean, Michigan has just continually pumped out these edge guys under Jim Harbaugh. And you were kind of worried, like, all right, what are they going to have when Aiden Hutchinson leaves? Well, David Ojabo's there. He might actually leave after this season because yeah. he's had such a good year. But they make this defense go when it comes to the pass game. Yep. This is the same secondary that got burned by a bunch of different teams last season. But the difference is Michigan's getting pressure, uh, you know, on the quarterback. Like, they can't get it out. If, uh, you know, if they're down on the ground, you know, holding the ball or whatever, or have to just throw it away. Yep. I will give the secondary credit and I'll give Mike McDonald credit for what they've done to kind of mask some of those, you know, issues back there. Yeah. Um, they're so good. Just, like, they're... Again, it's complimentary defense. Yep. Like it's the same thing with the offense. You know, the front end helps the back and what they're doing on the back end helps the, you know, helps the guys at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It's uh, when watching them on film, they seem like they're a good team defense. They seem like they have good players. But if you're a Penn State fan, you feel confident that Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson can get some plays against them. It's just, sure. can you get the ball out? I watched Aiden Hutchinson wa run around a double team last week where the tight end yeah. and the tackle yeah. were in there, and it just didn't matter. And that's really, the to me, the, the speed, the power. I said this yesterday on the show, that matchup between the tackles and the edge rushers and how mm -hmm. Sean Clifford who has struggled under pressure, and I know that you've you've checked out these numbers for sure, of his ability to play under pressure, that's going to determine the game for me. Because if Penn State can throw the ball, they can have some success against the secondary that is playing zone coverages, for the most part, with cover one in there as well. If they if Sean Clifford stays in the pocket, I just think that that might be a uh, the game for Michigan. So it, it's... On just to wrap things up here for for the show because you've been awesome today and I want to take up too much more of your time. What do you think are, is is the matchup you're looking for? What do you think is going to determine the game for uh, Penn State and Michigan coming up at Beaver Stadium this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think the the one we just talked about is obviously a big one. Um, at the same time, you know, Michigan has let quarterbacks that can run and I consider Sean Clifford in that category similar to Peyton Thorne at Michigan State where if you let him out of the pocket he can run they, they've let those guys gain some yardage at opportune times you know for the offense for sure so that's something to watch as well like if he does get out of the pocket he might have some room to run uh, but these guys are fast when it comes to Hutchinson and Ojabo I mean Ojabo is faster than probably half the guys on the field um, you know non non-offensive linemen on the field and he's, you know, 6'6", six, six and, and whatever, you know, whatever he weighs. So, uh, you know, that's something to watch. I'll say to me, you know, I mentioned red zone. Michigan struggled in that area this season. They've got a great kicker in Jake Moody. He's one of the top in the country. Uh, but, I mean, there's he's had too many, like, 34-yard field goals, 32-yard field goals. Like, those are red zone um, opportunities where Michigan has stalled out. So it's something to watch. I mean, Michigan has really struggled to punch it in for touchdowns in the red zone. And this is a Penn State defense that James Franklin talked about it on Tuesday. They've got a lot of speed and they've got a lot of length and that helps in the red zone. So uh, and they've just been fantastic. Third in the country at touchdown percentage uh, from a defensive standpoint. So I think Michigan's going to be able to move the ball a little bit. You know, we've seen teams do it on Penn State, but. You know, I mean, Illinois rushed for 250 yards, but had 10 points in regulation. Yep. Like, you know, if Michigan does something like that, let's say it's, you know, let's say they move the ball and they have 430 yards or something like that in, in 17 points to show for it. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Um, you know, we'll see, I guess, what kind of Penn State offense we get in this game. But I think that is really the thing to watch. Um, 
but it's a fascinating game. Penn State's getting healthier. Michigan's not as healthy right now. Michigan has more to play for, but Penn State isn't a team that's going to. I mean, we saw them resurrect their season last year. Like they're not going to just fold on this season. And um, you know, I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Noon game. Michigan fans are a little relieved about that. Yeah. Uh, after the last couple times, last time it was a non-night game. 2015, Michigan was able to go in there, handle their business against a, a worse Penn State team than we're going to see this year, but. Um, it's just a great time every time these two teams clash. The colors look good yep. next to each other. It's been a historic series over the last couple decades. And uh, and you'll be, be here for the, the first ever helmet game. Not a whiteout. There's a there's a blue stripe. So that, can I ask you about game. that? Like That's just a way to get around the whiteout, right? Absolutely. Like, do, doing two whiteouts. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's want... just like one section in the middle Yep. is just blue. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they're encouraging everyone to get there early, right? Um, yeah, I saw that. There's been a push for that, but yeah, yeah, well, it, you those can't new- recreate though. You cannot recreate the whiteout in the night game though. So nope. I don't think it'll be as crazy. But Penn State has uh, Jim Harbaugh said it. You can't fault these people for loving their football, and it's a great fan base. So yeah, uh, it, it'll be a great atmosphere. Yep. Yeah. The the they didn't. I don't think they want to do a whiteout in the day. That that's just plain and simple. Right. They use the stripe out. They use the whiteout. They use that. So now they needed a new thing. This and the, and the, I give them credit for creativity, but it is just like <laughs> it's just like one degree off of like I know what you're doing, but also it's fine. You know, you did it. You 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 stuck the landing on. Okay, I get what you're doing there. Uh, but I think everyone knew. Yeah. 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 It'd be fun. This has been an awesome conversation. Thanks you for giving me a little bit more time than I, than I told you earlier. Clayton Safey of The Wolverine, part of the On3 Network, one of our uh, sister channels here on On3. Thanks so much for coming on the BWI Daily Edition. Thanks for having me. Michigan fans out there, $1 for a year at The Wolverine, too. Same deal as Penn State. So I didn't want to uh, speak both for fan you. bases. Yeah. Both fan bases. Go and do it because these guys are doing a, an outstanding job. So. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to the weekend, and I'm looking forward to working with you going in the future. That'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Make sure you follow the rest of the week because we've got more stuff coming up. Nate Bauer joining us tomorrow. We'll have post-practice impressions as well as Ryan Snyder's best bets and recruiting news on Friday. We got you covered with everything here. We might even sprinkle in some basketball news here at the end of the week on the BWI Daily. We'll talk to you then.